Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. And we're joined by a recent Tokyo 2020 slash 21 Olympian and actually gold medalist in the K2 1000 meter canoe sprint. Uh, his name is John van der Westhausen. Thank you very much for joining us. And how is your day going so far? Oh, it's awesome to be here. So thanks for having me. Um, yeah, very crazy day in quarantine. Woke up at about 10.30. So yeah, loving it. Yeah, nice. And how is quarantine going since coming back from the Olympics? Oh, it's okay. It's actually been nice just to kind of decompress um, after the craziness uh, of the games to coming here and just having a couple of days to to relax and just um, let your mind settle and your and your body recover. It's been pretty good. No, that's good. Um, and obviously you've quarantined on the way back. Did you have to quarantine once you got to Tokyo for before the Olympics started? Uh, there was a bit of talk about that, that we'd have to quarantine for maybe a couple of days. But yeah, it turned out we didn't have to quarantine at all and you could kind of just get in and get straight to, straight to training. Yeah, fair. Um, I've also been watching TikTok Olympics because I think everyone has. Um, and there was someone posting about facts that we didn't know about the Olympics. And it was, well, this Olympics in particular, that after you'd completed your event, whether it was you'd finished in gold position or not, you had to leave Tokyo within 48 hours. Was that true? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's true. I- I'm pretty bad with uh, following <laughs> the rules and keeping up to date with, with everything. <laughs> But yeah, so it's when your your actual event finishes. So even oh, okay. though we finished up on the the Thursday, um, they were still racing on the on the Saturday as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was uh, the entire lot of canoeing and all that had to be done. Then you could leave. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, uh, talking about the events, mate. K two one thousand meters gold. First of all. Um, what was it like competing in the in the heats or in the sprint heats? And then what was the feeling like when you realized, you know, with your teammate Tom that you'd won gold? Um, yeah, it still almost feels a bit surreal. Um, but having a bit of time just in quarantine to think over it. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy. Like we had really disappointing results in the K1 on the Monday and the Tuesday, so prior to going into that K2 event, and we're both quite disappointed with it and and sort of felt that we we knew we had more. Yeah. Um, so it was really just about the night before and we just had a bit of a chat and had a chat with our coaches and um, just said, look, we know what we're capable of. We know what we can do. Let's just put that that disappointment behind us. And um, we still got a job to do um, coming up in the next couple of days. So, yeah, moving into the K2 event, it was um, it was actually quite refreshing. We, we weren't too worried about what had happened and kind of just put it behind us and wanted to just go out there and have a have a good performance. Um, and in our heat, we had the Germans, who were obviously the favourites and the world champions, um, leading into the event. With the legend Max Hoff and um, one of the one of the legends to be, I suppose, coming up in Jakob Skoff. And then the uh, Slovaks had got second at the at the European. So we kind of had the two almost top crews going into that heat. So you were underdogs um, by the sounds. Yeah, yeah. But it was just really about um, you know our coaches just sat us down and said, look. Just go for it and uh, see where you are at 750. Um, and then uh, you can either back off or you can attack. And we kind of looked through, had a bit of a look through the 750 mark and we realized we're in a good position. And we ended up actually winning it. And we're like, oh, wow, you know, um, this is going pretty well. And it was kind of strange because we never actually felt like our heat and our semi felt really good in the boat. There was a bit of a crosswind and we're kind of sitting a bit, a bit, a bit, um, a bit funny in the boat. So, yeah, leading into that final, 
um, I kind of had a little bit of a thought in my head of, wow, if the, if the boat sits real good, yeah. Or even if it doesn't, I think we might, we might have a really good shot at, at, um, at, at taking this race. But you obviously don't think about that um, before. You just think about going there, um, executing your race plan, and uh, what, com- what, what comes next will come. Exactly. Like you, you put all the plans in motion and it's a matter of, yeah, like the outcome, if you win, you win. If you don't, you don't, but you've executed your plan to the best that you could. And it turns out it was gold medal. What was it like getting onto the podium, you know, and listening to the national anthem and all of that? Oh, it was, it was such a proud moment for me. Um, obviously I, I was born in South Africa and I moved here in 2018. So I'm a relatively new Australian, but just the love and the support um, that Australia has, has offered me since I've got here has been, um, it's been overwhelming. And I wouldn't want to represent any other, any other nation in the world. So to stand on the top step of the podium and to, uh, to give something back to Australia and sing the national anthem, it was a really a proud moment for me that I could give back. I'm getting goosebumps just hearing so it. Like yeah. literal goosebumps all over just hearing them. And that's honestly wonderful and amazing to hear. And let's touch a bit on your uh, growing up and childhood in Cape Town, um, South Africa. Uh, what was it like, first of all, growing up there? And how did you get into uh, canoe sprints and, you know, that, that type of sport? Yeah, so I'm from, I'm from Cape Town originally, but I actually went to boarding school in mm-hmm. uh, Durban, KZN, or, or there, thereabouts. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I kind of got into it in junior school. So about year two, and that was in 07. And the year after, um, it was the Beijing Olympic Games. And um, obviously, I just did it because it was, it was so much fun and it was on the water. It was something different. Um, and then the year after, I watched the Beijing Olympics and I watched um, some of the guys that I really look up to, like Tim Brabant and Adam Vancouver, and um, race just such amazing races. And I was like, wow, I never even knew my sport was in the Olympics. How cool is that? Yeah. So that's kind of how I got into it. And, and, and those are the guys that sort of inspired me to, to just keep going, I guess. And then from that, those Beijing Olympics was when you realized, hey, this is an Olympic sport. I want to be in the Olympics. Was that what sort of switched you into like, I'm going to make the Olympics no matter what it takes? Um, I don't really think so. No, because I was just so young at that stage. And I, I just enjoyed paddling. I love being around mates. Um, I love being on the water. Um, but I was always just super competitive. So I loved racing um, and, and I loved competing. So I think it was kind of just a gradual thing that, that happened as I got older and older and, and just wanted to keep on racing. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and with the Olympics uh, having just done and dusted now, but it was a, you could say a hiccup to Olympics with the fact of COVID last year, putting a spanner in the works and pushing it forwards and another year. How did that affect you and your preparation for it? Um, you know, with that extra year. Yeah, I think like every athlete will say, absolutely. COVID was, it was tough. It was another year. Um, and yeah, I suppose it's hard mentally and, and it's hard physically because it's another whole year of really intense preparation. And mentally you have to be so switched on because you're preparing for, um, the biggest sporting events or argue, arguably the biggest sporting events in the world. Um, but I think it was more just looking at it as an opportunity because um, myself and Tommy, we, we were only 21 at the time. Um, so it was another year of development, another year to mm. develop our, our boat and our skills and our, and our fitness and power. So for us, I think um, it kind of played in our favor. No doubt it was tough and it was long and um, there were times where your motivation was in and out, but Absolutely. I think it played in our favor in the end. 
That's yeah. That's honestly, I, I was going to say, as as you said, it would have been a bit of a spanner in the works when it first hit. You know, the realization. But after that, it would have been like, right, we've got a whole year to for extra preparation, sort of thing. For sure, definitely. Awesome. Now, nah, awesome. Um, and while you're in quarantine at the moment, what's been your Netflix binge? Honestly, I just I haven't actually watched um, too much TV. To be honest, I've just been playing a bit of Xbox and catching mm-hmm. up with mates. Um, giving family calls so that's kind of been um just the main priority but i'm sure in the next couple of days i'll be getting stuck into uh into some series i've been watching the luke longley um uh documentary series which has been pretty cool i'm a bit of a basketball fan so oh yeah awesome. yeah nice uh, what, what games are you playing on the xbox oh but uh <laughs> 2k um yep. card just the stock standard i suppose not, not too special yeah nice are, are you good at cod or are you or what's your ratio no, no, I'm not. I'm not good at all. I, I won't. I won't uh, leak that out into the public. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, and obviously, you, as we said, you're uh, you were, you grew up in Cape Town and and Durban as well. And then you, for lack of a better term, hauled ass all the way over to Australia in 2018, a whole new country. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was pretty daunting. Um, but it, it's it's kind of a funny one because it was really weird when I was younger and a teenager. Um, I always kind of just had this feeling that I was going to be be in Australia and that I wanted to be there. Um, I always wanted to pursue my my kayaking and I knew South Africa was not going to, didn't have the resources and the ability to support me in that. Um, and I also wanted to um, get, a, get a tertiary education at the same time. And mm-hmm. when I was looking around, um, Australia just seemed like the best place. And I had obviously looked up to um, a lot of the Australian athlete, athletes, um, Murray, Kenny, and then the K4 boys that, uh, that won gold um, yeah. in 2012. So it was really kind of um, a weird situation how it came about. It was, it was a dream for me to go there and train with those guys and, and that squad and under um, Jimmy, Jimmy Owens. Um, and it was, it was only by a bit of luck, I suppose. I, I, um, had a had a connection in Australia who actually went to the same school as me and was part of the Australian um, oh, national wow. team. So I sent we sent him a message and he put us in contact with the performance director and and one thing kind of led to another to, to another um, and I and they said yeah I can come and train in the group. Um, I got accepted into university there, so it was really just a a ripple of um, I suppose uh, lucky events or um, just being really fortunate with how things played out. Um, and then yeah, I, I joined the squad that I'd I'd always dreamed of. I knew I, I knew these guys um, for so many years. They had no idea who I was, but I was a bit of a fanboy <laughs> yep. of kayaking growing up, to be honest. And yeah, my coach who actually got gold in 2012. Um, so he was wow. someone I looked up to, and then all of a sudden he he was coaching me. So it was pretty pretty strange. You were like starstruck a little bit, sort of thing. Yeah, it was it was a really strange couple months. Um, just being in that environment it's they've got such a we've got such a solid setup um and it's all just based around high performance and and getting good results so it was uh it was quite a quite an eye-opener the first couple months yeah that's fair um and what's next for you uh obviously commonwealth games are coming up next year are you going to start prepping for that uh khaki is actually not in commonwealth games so oh for us, it's more just the World Championships the, um, in the years leading up to the game. So we have a World Championships every year and a, and a World Cup series that we race in Europe. Um, and then obviously the big goal is Paris and it's going to be quite a short turnaround now with three mm, years. So absolutely. a lot of hard work to be done. 
Oh, for sure. Um, and I mean, I'm hearing, not hearing, but like I'm reading things online that the K2 1000 may not be included in, in Paris, but it'll be shortened down to K2 500. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but do you know if, if that's true or not? Yeah, so that's true. The, um, the K2 1000 meter, the last time it was raced um, would have been now at, at the Tokyo Games and it's being replaced by the K2 500, which is a totally different event. Um, so yeah, but looking forward to, I suppose, the challenge that that, 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 that race will bring. Well, that, and I just got goosebumps thinking about you are the, you could say the, the final people, you and Tom, to be the last to win the gold medal in the K2 1000 um, until if it's brought out, like if it's um, sure. admitted again. But that, what, what do you think when, when you, when you uh, hear that? Um, it's actually pretty crazy. I think, first of all, it's pretty cool um, to know that and to know we'll be, I suppose, the reigning Olympic champs <laughs> yes. and record yeah. holders. Yeah. For, for the next however many years if it gets brought back, if it doesn't. Um, but for me, it's just really special because um, I looked up to so many um, of these guys that I now get to, I suppose, be a part of that small group that, that has those titles. Um, and it's just really special because um, those guys inspired me so much. Um, so for me to be a part of that, it's, it almost it doesn't feel real, to be oh, honest. But it's wow. a privilege. It's, it's, yeah, it's an honor. That's amazing to hear. And what was the athletes village like in Tokyo? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I think um, like we weren't originally going to stay there just because of um, the craziness that the Olympic village is. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know that um, before you actually get there. Um, so entering into the village, it was just kind of um, the first two days were really like your head just is, is just buzzing because you got all these amazing athletes around. You got famous athletes, you have the dining hall and, there's just so much happening around you. There's hype everywhere. Um, so yeah, it was it was really crazy to be a part of, and it was it was so important for us just to kind of block out the noise and just mm-hmm. focus um, on our event. And then once our event was done, you know, we could do all the fun stuff like get a photo at the rings and walk around and 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 see what the Olympic Village had to offer. But it was it was really cool, it was special, and and um, yeah, Japan and, and Tokyo just did such an amazing job setting that up. It was it was very very, very impressive. Oh, that's awesome. And I've, I've interviewed um, Nathan Katz last week and he mentioned that the COVID protocols in the Athletes Village were like next level, but in a good way. Do you think that they handled it really well? Yeah, I think they did a great job, to be honest. I think they did the best they could. Um, and yeah, there weren't nearly as many cases as everybody thought there was going to be. So I think that's just testament to the organizing committee and, and the effort everybody put in. So absolutely, I think they did a, they did a crack job. Oh, 100%. Is there any other sports that you like watching at the Olympics, whether it was when you are at Tokyo or just on TV over the years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, love the basketball. I'm a big basketball fan. I follow the NBA. Actually, oh, who's your team? With, uh, with uh, Luka Doncic and Rudy Gobert. That was pretty epic. Um, wow. And then I'm a big fan of the runners as well. And um, yeah, I watched the, the men's marathon. So Elia Kipchoge, that was pretty special. He actually stayed in the same house as we did. So I got to the to see him as well which was which was quite cool were you starstruck a little bit when you when absolutely in the same I'm, house? A fan, I'm a fanboy of the basketball players and the runners so yeah absolutely i'm definitely a fanboy for sure oh that's awesome to hear uh, what team do you follow in the nba oh, i'm a heat fan um okay. so i'm a jimmy butler um and bam Adebayo fanboy so that's, that's my team but i don't know how it's going to look the next season some strong teams coming up absolutely um 
I think that's about it. Um, I will ask though, is there any advice that you would give to any, you know, kids who would love to try and make it at an Olympic level one day? Cheapers, um, some advice. I think I'm still pretty young. I think I have a lot to learn, but the little bit that I've kind of experienced um, up to this day is just, uh, it is have fun with it. But at the same time, work hard, give it your all. Um, and if you're passionate about something, you know, just give it a red hot crack. Um, and at the same time, make sure you have a good team around you because um, it's not going to be by your own strength that you that you achieve your goal and, and, and you're not going to get to the highest level without really good people around you. So make sure that you're surrounded by people that you trust, you know, that are good good people at heart. Um, and yeah, main thing is, is have passion, have fun and, and give it your Oh, absolutely. That's wonderful advice. Um, and last topic is, is there any, uh, anything that you'd like to plug such as a charity or a social media or anything like that? Oh, sorry. What was that? that I'd like sorry. To... So is there anything that you would like to plug as in like, is there any social media or sponsors or anything that you'd like to give a shout out to, or even just family? Absolutely. Or anything? I think absolutely. Um, you know, shout out to my family, my girlfriend, um, and, and a special mention, just to our team, you know, our coaches, they are such um, amazing men who put their heart and soul into the program. And I think that is, um, that is testament to the result that they got because it was almost really selfish for us to stand on the podium alone because I felt like it was a village that took us to get there. So a yeah, athlete's village, you could say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was terrible. Um, yeah. So big shout out to the coaches, you know, they, they, they honestly go above and beyond um and they're not just uh, coaches they're mates um they mentors they're psychologists they're everything so yeah special mention uh, to them as well as my uh, my my um my boss who uh, who allows me to be super flexible with training <laughs> gotta gotta give him a shout out too <laughs> 